Good afternoon, and the Lord, I mean, good morning, the Lord bless you. I guess it's still morning. I keep thinking that it's afternoon, but it's not. Uh, well, I got one thing over you. I, uh, I, I won't get sleepy because I didn't eat. So uh, I'm not going to get sleepy up here. And the other thing is, Bruno and I talk, you know, it's always that fear of getting up here, and I hope it never leaves because, you know, it's something that you want to uh, share by the grace of God. This morning, I want to uh, take this opportunity, first of all, and I promised I promised uh, the Holy Spirit uh, and God quite some time ago that I would take this opportunity to tell you something, and this is what it is. <clears throat> I know a lot of you people, uh, in the last uh, two years ago, uh, you prayed for me, and, and uh, I know you, you spent a lot of time in prayer for me, because I was a very sick man. I shouldn't be here today, but I am. But God brought me through, and you prayed. And I told, I told the Lord that if I ever had the opportunity to stand before the people that prayed for me, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for praying. I know you spend a lot of time in prayer. And from my heart, thank you. It meant so much to me and my wife. Uh, for what we faced, and uh, I want to, uh, I want to touch. I will. Somebody asked me to touch on it, maybe just a little bit today, and I will if I have time. I will touch on that uh, just a little bit. Uh, the experience is very, uh, is very touching to me. Uh, I did have an experience, and I can't get into that today, but I will uh, just touch on it if I have time. Uh, my grace is sufficient for thee, and I guess when I look at, at the subject of grace, you know, when you look at the songs, have you ever noticed how many times the word grace is used? Have you ever noticed how many times when you sat back there and, and these ministers came up here and ministered to you, have you ever noticed how many times the word grace is used? You've used it. Roger has used it. I'm not sure whether Berlin used it or not, but I've been trying to keep track of this thing, you know. And, you know, we use the word of grace, and I think we use it lightly. Maybe not all the time, but I think there's a, there's a point, there's a time, is maybe sometimes when we use it just... You know, just for saying something. There's some. There's an individual that that uh, that I know, and some of you know him too. His name is Victor Dadson. And, and if you call him, or if you meet him on the street or wherever you meet him, there's one thing that he will say, and it's this: How are you doing? By His grace. By His grace. He will never ever greet you without saying that. Am I right, John? He will always say, by his grace. And you know, I, I've, I've learned something from that. Victor was a man that came from Africa, and he lived with us for a while. And I learned to know Victor real well. And he's a very fine individual. I love him very much, like my own son. But in, doing, in looking at the word grace, I want to read just one verse to you. I've, I've got a, they gave me a subject here. My grace is sufficient for thee, and grace for troubles from outside or inside. And I will, I will get to that verse then. But I want to point something out to you this, this morning. And, and look at just one verse. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 3, it reads like this. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you notice in Paul's writings, if you go through, there's ten different, I could name all the chapters, or all the books that he addresses these people in greeting, but that's the way he greets the people. Grace and peace. Now, I'm wondering this morning, is there such a thing of having grace and not experiencing peace? You ask yourself that question. 
Paul says it over and over. He says that grace and peace be multiplied to you. So I'm wondering this morning, as I looked at this subject, is there such a thing as having peace and not having accepted the grace of God? I don't think there is. I've seen somebody shake their head and I would agree with you. I don't think there is. Because the grace of God brings peace in your life. To experience true peace in your life, you must have the grace of God applied to your life. And so when I look at the subject of grace, I, I, I'm just, I, was, uh, I spent quite a bit of time, we all do when we study, what is grace? It is getting what we don't deserve. It is something you and I don't deserve that. We, did, we don't deserve grace, but it's a gift, isn't it? It's a gift from God. He said, here it is. It's for yours for the taking. Mercy. What's mercy? It's not getting what we deserve. That's what mercy is. It's not getting what we deserve. And so when I look at this subject, at the subject of, of mercy... It always has the same meaning in the Hebrew and the Greek. It's always the same. Always has the same meaning in the Old and New Testament. And so, I look at it and I wonder, well, what, what does it mean? What does, what does grace really mean in my life? And so when I look at it uh, uh, and get the meaning of it, this is what it means. It means grace. I mean, it means favor. It means uh, uh, graciousness. It means a gift, a benefit, acceptable. Uh, it can mean... Uh, Pleasure, thankworthy. Uh, and so when I look at that, I look at the Greek dictionary, what does it say? It says this. The love and favor of God toward human beings. The love and favor of God toward human beings. That's really what it is. It's the love and favor of God towards you and I. Would we, if we would not be living under this grace, I mean, and when I look at it and I think, well, is this grace something that, is it something that you can get and then you can lose it? I think it was Ed Bean or some one of you that, that were up here and taught yesterday and said that, you know, we look at the Calvinistic teaching, you know, and so, uh, and so I look at the word grace and I look at what grace really supplies in my life and what it is in my life and in your life. Is it something that you can accept and then you can lose it? Yes, it is. It's not a once accepted and always will be there. You have to walk the talk. And so I'm convinced this morning uh, that unless I walk the talk and perform as a Christian in my life, which we've heard so many times being here, and walk according to the Word of God and deal as ministers with truth in our churches, we probably won't deal graciously. Unless you and I deal with truth, in any given situation, in any problem in our churches today, and we all know what we have, we're all facing them, unless we deal with truth and stand on truth and the Word of God and deal graciously with it, we're going to be a failure. That's where we're at. I need to deal in truth and extend grace, along with what Verlon said this morning. The divine influence upon the Spirit and its reflection in life, grace used 125 times in the New Testament and only used four times in the Gospels. Each time it was used to, in reference to Jesus Christ. I want to turn to John chapter 17, I think it is. 
No, John, I'm sorry, John, uh, John 1, 17. Read one verse there. And this is what it says. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by who? Jesus Christ. And so when I look at this scripture, you know, we see that the law was given by Moses, but, but, uh, but grace and truth came through our Savior. I'm telling you what, I, I, I don't think I've ever been so thankful for the grace of God than I am today after doing this study and realizing really what favor God has done for us in sending His Son and giving His life and giving His blood that you and I can be set free. What a blessing this morning to experience that. The salutation of grace was used uh, as a customary greeting in exchange between Greeks, just as we would say, Hello, how are you doing? The Jews would greet with shalom. You know, there's something I want to share with you this morning. And when I look at this, uh, I, and I look at this phrase here, you know, I, I, and when we call each other, you know, and uh, I should probably answer, you know, how are you doing by his grace would be a much better uh, reflection than saying, how are you doing? I'm doing well, you know. I'm doing real good. I mean, there's everything is all right, you know. And so I want to share something with you, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I didn't tell my wife I was going to share it, but I'm going to share it. She won't mind. And so what, what it is is this. Uh, I heard the other way. I was about a month ago, and you all know what it is to face situations and trials in your life. We all know that. You know, I don't have to tell you. And so I was going through something. We were going through something, and, and we, were, we, just, uh, we were in the, in the process of moving. We just moved last Friday, and, and, uh, and so we, we were in that process and with church issues going on and this and that. And, and I was just so frustrated in my life. And I told my wife, I said, let's just go out and have coffee somewhere and sit down and talk. I said, I just need to talk with somebody that will, that will listen to me, you know. And, and so we went out and we were drinking coffee and, and my phone rings. And Terry Myers, you know, some of you know Terry Myers. Terry Myers and I talk a lot. We, we talk often. And so uh, my phone goes and I pick it up and, and I said, hello. And it was Terry. And he said, uh, he said, how are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing good. My wife looked at me. She said, that's a lie. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. She said, it's a lie. It's not the truth. So I got back on the phone. I said, Terry, I said, I'm sorry. And I broke down. I said, I lied. I said, I ask your forgiveness because I lied. I'm not doing well. But you see, we always want to try to paint the best picture when we're not good. You get what I'm saying? You know, when somebody calls and I'm not doing good, I need to be truthful and honest. I need to say, it would be much better to say, by His grace. It would cover everything, wouldn't it? It would just make, it would make, it would cover everything. My wife wouldn't have to say that, well, that's a lie. Because you can't lie about grace. And so, when I got done, uh, I, I, Terry, well, he prayed for me then, and we had a good time together and, and prayed. And, and so, but what I'm saying is, 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 is living under the uh, influence of grace will do something in our life. When I look at, when I look at this subject uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, uh, uh, it, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 for just a little bit. <coughs> chapter 2, verse 8 reads like this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is a gift of God. 
Grace is a gift of God. I mean, it is such a tremendous gift. And so when I look at that and consider that a gift is only a gift when it is it has a recipient. A gift is only a gift if you take it. It's all, it needs to have a recipient. So if somebody wants to give you a gift, for instance, and he brings something to you, and, and you say, well, you know, it, you want to give it to him. You need to, you know, it, you need to have a recipient. But when I look at that and consider that recipients of gifts are agents of choice, we are to accept or reject. You will either accept it or you'll reject it. One or the other. So when my wife wants to give me a gift, I appreciate so much what, what Merle said last night about, the, about him and his wife, you know, and, and we all have those experiences, you know, but when I think of that and my wife would want to come and give me a gift, you know, I'd say, well, I don't want it. I, I don't really need it. I don't want it. You know, and so, and you know, and, and to all of you that, that are, we're all married probably pretty well, all of us, you know, all of us. And, 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 and to, my, to, my, to my shame, you know, there's times when she's gotten me something and I said, well, you know, I, I don't really need it. I mean, I don't, I don't really, it's not really what I wanted, you know. And so, and she understands, you know, and so she'll take it back, you know. And so, but we have a mutual understanding, you know. I, I mean, she's given me a lot of gifts. I've given her a lot of gifts. And so, when I look at that and see that when God offers the gift of grace and you reject it, you're rejecting not only grace, but you're rejecting Jesus Christ because it came through Jesus. And so when I look at this big picture of grace this morning, aren't you glad, aren't you excited this morning that you're living under grace? I mean, we're all living under the grace of God this morning. And we should be excited about it. You know, I'm one, and some of you know me, and I'm one, I think it was Brother Merle or, or whoever was preaching about it, I'm one that, that I know I'm older, I'm old, I know I'm older than Merle, I'm Dave Hostetler's age, by the way, and Dave and I were good friends, but I'm, I'm one that I love to tell people about salvation. I just love to tell people about Jesus. And, you know, and I'm old, and you think, well, you're over the hill. I'm not. I'm not over the hill. I mean, I'm not going to be over the hill until you see me laying in this box up front. And I was almost there. But you know what, brothers and sisters? We need to be thankful, and I need to be thankful for what he shared with me. The law of grace also teaches us to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. I'm, going to, I'm not going to turn to those verses. And when I look at that, grace claimed by faith doesn't change a person's heart. I'm sorry. Grace claimed by faith that doesn't change a person's heart isn't grace. You believe that? When grace changes the heart, my behavior changes. When grace changes the heart, your behavior will change. So what I'm saying is this. When your behavior changes, and you're looked on from the world as walking in truth, and you don't walk in truth, you're lying. Brethren and sisters, us as sitting here this morning, as leaders in, in, in our congregations, we need to deal redemptively, but we dare not let sin come into our churches. That's just the way it is. I think too many, too many times we've looked at grace and we've said that, well, you know, we're just going to try and overlook this a little bit because it's just not really so much wrong. I'm not saying that, I'm, I'm, I'm along with Roland this morning, 100%. I'm not saying that we go and put the, the flashlight in his face, but I'm saying this morning, when there is obvious things in a person's life and we know it as leaders and we don't deal with it, I think we're going to be held accountable. I really do. 
I believe there are situations that we are we get afraid of, and we're afraid of what the people are going to say, and so we just uh, we just don't deal with it. Now I want to look at Matthew chapter eighteen. I mean chapter verse, Matthew sixteen verse eighteen real quickly here. And this is what it says. And I say unto thee, is one of the verses they had given me, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Grace for troubles from outside and within. How do you look at this verse this morning and, and, and try and, and put this together, I, I guess, in my own life, is how do I look at this verse and, and consider that uh, grace for troubles from without and within? Well, I happen to believe this morning uh, that uh, I happen to believe that the grace of God is much greater than the gates of hell this morning. I happen to believe this morning that grace is much greater than any problem that Satan throws at us in the church. Anything. And if I don't believe that this morning, I'm going to be defeated. We have to believe this morning that grace is bigger than the gates of hell. That's what he was referring to, that these things that are going to come against us are coming directly from Satan this morning. He's trying to destroy us. He's going to do what he can to destroy us. He's not a happy camper. He wants to destroy us. He's going to do anything and everything he can. He's going to throw things at us. He's going to to try and make us stumble. But brethren and sisters, this morning, I am convinced that there is nothing. And when I look at the book of Jude, and maybe some of you had that in your your Sunday school lesson. When I look at uh, how people come in through some of our churches in the name of grace, I get scared. You look at it. Jude Jude chapter, uh, Jude uh, 4. You just look at it. I'm going to turn to it. I want, I want to read that. Maybe you had it already. Uh, uh, some, I'm, I'm at it right now. Jude, uh, uh, in Jude 4, it says this. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of, all, of, of old ordained, and this, through this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm convinced this morning in some of our churches and probably in some of our Mennonite churches that this has happened. I'll let you look at that when you're alone. How much grace does God extend? How much grace does God extend to our country in looking at the realm of Christianity and in Canada. How much longer is God's grace going to extend when we see all the ungodly acts that are being done? I've wondered already, how much grace is he going to extend to the church that is allowing all these things to come into their churches? How much? You look at some of our Mennonite churches. We have one locally, right, right locally. And I've met with them because of some situation that I don't feel are right. I feel that if, if I'm not going to go out and protest, but I feel if they publish something and it's wrong, I'm going to want to know why they published it. And I think I have a right to know that. And so I will ask them. I will call them and I will ask them, I mean, why did you publish this? Uh, I mean, and I've, I've met with a couple of professors from Goshen College, and I, I mean, we met alone, and we walked in, and I walked in with a Bible, and they came with nothing. And so I, I took them to task, and I asked them, why did you publish something that is untrue? 
Well, we didn't know it was untrue. Well, you might want to read the Word of God. Because it wasn't the truth. And we had a long conversation. But, you know, and I think if I'm going to stand for something, I'm not trying to make a name for myself at all, but I think that I need to, if I, if I believe in something, I believe in the grace of God, I believe that it's going to stand through eternity, then I need to stand on that and I need to ask some questions for myself. I don't think it's wrong. I'm not going to, I'm not going to call, uh, be uh, in uh, contest with them. I'm not going to debate them at all, but I just want some answers. The next one that they had for me was uh, taken from... Uh, Troubles as obstacle, obstacles or opportunity. And that's taken out of Numbers chapter 13, verse 32 through um, 26 through 32. And this was the, uh, and you all know what it was. This was concerning the 12 scouts of Israel. And as they, uh, as they sent them over there and, and, and brought, and, and what they did, they brought back an evil, an evil report. So I say this morning, when I look at this one here, uh, I look at, 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 at the evil report they brought back. I mean, they, they could have, God had everything in order for them. But they didn't believe it. They absolutely didn't believe it. So they brought back a false report. And so I, I think maybe I'll turn to that for just a little bit. In Numbers chapter, uh, uh, let's go to Numbers chapter 13 for a little bit here. I want to read Numbers chapter 13 verse 30 to 26 first. And it says this in verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the, all the congregation and showed them uh, the fruit of the land. They had, they had all this fruit. And then in verse 32, and they brought, brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants and the sons of Anak and, and which came of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight and so uh, now you go over to uh, uh, to uh, verse 20 he says and the Lord said I have pardoned according to thy word but as truly as I live all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord because of all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers Neither shall any of them that prove me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he and another spirit with him, had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land, wherein he went, and he, his seed shall possess it. Now when I look at this, and I, uh, uh, troubles as obstacles or opportunity, when you look at this, you know, uh, they did have some troubles. Uh, and, and so, uh, but but they could have. The troubles they faced were were actually an opportunity would have been an opportunity for them, but they didn't do it. And so, when I look at, at our life today, we may we maybe at times focus on troubles way too much, and consider that there's an opportunity here. We focus just on the problem rather than finding a solution. We fer- we just focus on the problem. We don't do anything. So we'll focus on the problem until everybody is sick and tired of it and you, you get discouraged and you want to just throw in the towel and forget it. And so you think, well, there's, there's, no, there's no, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to, just like those men did, you know, I'm, there's too much trouble here, I'm just going to give it up. Think it's not happening? It is. 
I could tell you of two ministers just recently that threw in the towel. I'm sure you don't want to be one of them. By the grace of God, you and I can continue with a positive attitude. If we don't look at problems and situations and, and look at them in this way, that for every problem, there is a solution. For every problem. But I have the tendency to not look that way, to look at it that way. But brethren, this morning, when we look at a problem, let's deal with it graciously, redemptively, and look at a solution. But in the same sentence, I want to tell you that unless I deal with truth and the word of God, I'll get nowhere. Because they know it's my flesh, and so they won't do nothing. You can, won't get nowhere. The next one was, uh, uh, number three, was the need for vision and trust in God. And uh, when I look at that, I, I, I look at that, at that subject and at that title there, and, and I, I think of the verse in Proverbs where it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Is that not so true? When there's no vision, people perish. And so, brethren, this morning, I'm, I'm telling you that we should be excited. And I, I'm, I, I was, I'm just filled with the Holy Spirit this morning from what I've heard. I mean, I just so much in my mind that I want, I want to get some of these CDs too. But when I think of, of, of everything that's been shared in the last couple of days here, it is just, your mind can't take it. Mine can't. I mean, you're, some of you are much bigger than I am, and you can probably take it, but I can't. I can't absorb everything. And so I want to, when I look at this and I consider, you know, what, what is the, uh, uh, the, uh, the need for a vision and a trust in God? You know, when I think of a vision, what is your vision this morning? Have you ever thought? Do you have a vision? Is there a vision that you, do you have a vision or is it just, just well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. You know, unless we have a vision, it's like the Bible says, the people perish. Now, when you look at, at, uh, at the book of Habakkuk, and, and that, that's uh, one book that we're going to look at. It's not a book that we look at very often, but I'm going to look at that this morning uh, for just a little bit, just a couple of verses there and then move on. Uh, I want to uh, be very sensitive of the clock. I don't, I'm one that will not go over time, so you can be assured I won't go over time. So, uh, when we look at the book of Habakkuk, and you, the question that Habakkuk asked was this. Why does God permit injustice? Why does God permit injustice? That was the question yet. Now, let's read some of the scriptures there. In uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, uh, verse 1 through 4, he says this. He says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophets did see, O Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee, of violence thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence for are before me? And there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doth never fo- go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Now, go over to uh, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And then we'll read that in a couple more verses after that. Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Son of Habakkuk, the prophet, and upon synagogue, uh, O Lord, I have heard thy speech, and was afraid, O Lord. Revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known in wrath, and remember mercy. Now, go down to verse 16. And then he says, this was now the prayer of Habakkuk, and then he says in verse 16, When I heard my belly tremble, my lips quivered, at the voice rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of 
trouble. When he cometh up into the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree uh, shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stable. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the, in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine own places. Now, when I look at that and, and see what, the, what, what, the, what they had down here for, for this, the need for vision and trust in God. When I look at verse eight, uh, 18, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in God and the God of my salvation. Do you this morning, in all your troubles, in everything that you face, do you still, do you still say, I will rejoice in the Lord, regardless of what? It's kind of hard, isn't it? But just be honest, it's hard. You might as well go this way, because that's what it is. I know what it is. There's times when it's hard. But we're not without, we're not lost. I mean, we're not, we're not without, a, without, a, a, without direction. But let's just say it like it is. There are times when, where are you, Lord? I don't feel you. Are you, where are you? I don't know that I feel anything from you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. One more. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. <clears throat> want to read uh, verses 1 through 9. It goes like this. It is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to the visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one in the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. But in my own infirmities, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations there was given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought Lord, the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, uh, and that's, uh, that's the phrase that we want to look at this, this uh, afternoon just for a little bit here. Uh, and when I look at it uh, uh, in this way, that, and he said, uh, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I ra- rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. When I look at Paul's life, <clears throat> and I consider that, that, uh, that Jesus spoke these words to Paul, he said, My grace is sufficient for you. Maybe you have never had to come to the place where you have been to the place where you have said that you had really had to really rely on this particular verse here. Maybe you've never been there. But when I, when I look at this verse and I consider what Paul was 
and what he what he faced. I'm not sure what it was that he faced. I'm not I'm not going to try and and and, and decipher what he faced. I don't know what it was. But you know, brethren and sisters, this afternoon or this morning, when I look at this and I consider that Jesus said that my grace is sufficient for thee, I, I'm thinking that our Lord and Savior is saying to all of us this morning that my grace is sufficient for you. My grace, I will not, I will not uh, take it away from you. It's yours to have and to hold as long as you live for me. My grace will be sufficient for you. You can't spurn it. You can't. You can't. Uh, you can't ignore it and say that. Well, I, I just I want it today, and, and tomorrow I may not want it, and all this and that. And you know, no, that's not the way it is. Uh, His grace is sufficient for for all of us. Uh, and when I look at this and 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 consider a little bit, I will share just a little bit uh, with what took place in my life. Somebody asked me to share this, and I will for just a little bit. It's not about me, by the way, not for one minute. But it's only by the grace of God that I am even, even standing here this morning. And it's by the, by the way, I, I suppose that there's probably nobody that read the book of Job more than I did uh, in the last, uh, in that, during that year. Uh, I, I, I could almost probably uh, memorize it and say it because of what took place in my life. But be that as it may, that was, uh, that was nothing, you know, the, compared. I had come, I had went to a, in, in concerning my grace is sufficient for thee, I had went, I had come home from a week of meetings from Colorado, and right after that things started to happen, and I went downhill. I just uh, went downhill fast. It was really fast. In a matter of a month, I had lost 40 pounds. And I was just, uh, and I was in the hospital, and the doctors couldn't find out what it was, didn't know what it was, and tried to figure it out, and sent me to Cleveland Clinic, didn't find nothing there. Nobody could find anything. And when you go to the hospital, and you lay there for for four days, and and nothing moves. I mean, as far as you take in liquid, but there's there's nothing that happens. You know, you know it's pretty serious. And the doctors knew that it was pretty serious, and so. Uh, but you know, to this day, I have no ailments. My kidneys and everything are fine. Isn't that a blessing? I have no ailments other than, I mean, I'm a little wobbly yet, but that'll come. I, I mean, I'm working on that. That's nothing to me. I'm just glad to be sad. I was on a wheelchair. I couldn't do nothing. I was on a bed. I couldn't even go to bed alone. I couldn't lift my legs to go to bed. But when I, when I, uh, what I want to say this morning is this, <clears throat> is that, I was in the hospital for eight days, and they didn't find it. Went to Cleveland Clinic, they didn't find it. And I come home, and uh, and uh, and my local doctor found it. And it was called what they call C. difficile. And I know Brother Nolan knows exactly what it is. Uh, uh, it was called C. difficile. Uh, but by that time, I was destroyed, totally destroyed. I was on a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. Couldn't even. Uh, I'll just tell you this: I couldn't, didn't have enough strength in my lips to give my wife a kiss. Can you believe that? <coughs> There wasn't any strength in I couldn't do it. She knows that. But my wife helped me. She was there for me. When I was, when I was uh, uh, the Dr. Greer from Goshen, uh, he was a specialist, and I was, they were, uh, he said, he came up one day, and, and he said, well, he said, Mr. Miller, he said, uh, 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 we're, we're going to release you. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, uh, but I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't walk. They wheeled me out with a wheelchair. And before I went, he'd come into the room and he said, uh, he said this. <clears throat> he said, uh, you know, he said, we don't know what you have. We, we've checked everything. Did a spinal tap and that, that's something of its own. And uh, it was a story in that. But he said, we don't know what you have. And so he said, uh, 
uh, we're, we're just going to send you home. And so what, what they should have said is just, uh, you should have just been honest. He said, I'm going to send you home to die. Because that's what it was. He said, we don't know what you have. We can't help you. And when he got done, I got, I remember getting on my walker and, and holding myself up as good as I could. And I looked him in the face and this is what I told him. I said, you don't know what I have. And I don't know what I have. But I want you to understand one thing. By this time, he was not looking at me anymore. But I said, I want you to understand one thing, Dr. Greer. And I said, it's this. You don't know, I don't know. I serve a risen Savior that knows what I have. If I am to die, I've made preparations to die. Do I want to die? No, nobody wants to die. Be honest with yourself. You don't want to die. But I prepared myself to die. But if I'm to live, I serve a risen Savior that will bring me through. Got pretty quiet. And he looked up at me and he just said, Wow. I'm telling you, if you've never experienced the grace of God where you've had to come to the place where there's nothing left anymore. There's nothing there anymore. Nothing. Except just getting ready to die. There was nothing there anymore. I had nothing. When I look at that, and I consider that my God was so gracious in my life that he gave me another chance to enjoy my grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. I'm a blessed man. You know, when you face things like that, you, you begin to change. Things begin to change in your life. Things begin to look differently. Things don't look attractive anymore. They just look like, just get me out of here. But when I consider that, you know, God had a work for me to do yet, and, and I, want to, I want to do that as faithfully as I can. There's five, five things I want to share with you in getting to the end of my message this morning. And it's this. Number one. Looking at the at this whole thing in the, in my grace is sufficient for you, and considering that the need for a vision and trust in God, I recently before I start here, I recently <clears throat> a young man called me from we were living in Napanino. A young man called me and he said uh, he said he said I'm going to college. He said I'd like to interview you, and I said uh, what have I got to share? You know, I mean. He said, well, I just want to sit down and talk with you. He said, I have some questions for you. I want to, I'd like to do an interview with you. And I said, okay. And so, uh, so we met. So we met together uh, one forenoon. And, and he, uh, he had all kinds of questions for me. And, and I, I answered his questions the best that I knew how. I told him before, I said, no, if there's questions that I can't answer, I'm going to be honest enough to tell you that I don't know. I will tell you that. And that, I'm that way. If you ask me something I don't know, I will tell you right up front, I don't know. And so I'm not going to be standing there and tell you something, try and make some glorious speech, which I don't have no knowledge of. I won't do that. And so uh, when he asked the questions, I began to answer the questions. And, 
and we got <clears throat> we got to where we were, and it was it was quite lengthy. We had a good we had a really good talk. He's probably 22, 23 years old, and we had a really good talk. And so uh, we got done, and then he said, "Can you give me some words of advice and wisdom from here out? Just can you just share something with me?" And I said, "I can." I said, this is what I want to share with you. Number one, seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That's the first thing you need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, seek sincerely and diligently to understand and follow God's perfect will in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Do that and you'll prosper. You'll have a vision. Number three, abide in the presence of God. John 15, verse 4 and 5. Worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. In John chapter 4, verse 23, verse 24. Number five, be committed to continue doing God's will. In Ephesians chapter uh, 2. I mean, Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Be committed to continue to doing God's will. And I said... Last but not least, have a vision. Have a vision to where you're going. I said, unless you have a vision as a young man, you're going to be allured away in the ways of the world. You're going to be allured to the fact that, you know, there's these women out there that are looking for young men like you. And you're going to be allured away. Unless you have a vision, a clear vision of where you're heading in this life and in for eternity, you need a vision. You need to be grounded on the Word of God. That's what you need in your life. And brethren and sisters this afternoon, this morning, that's where you and I need to be grounded in. You're not just for that young man, but unless we are grounded in the Word of God and have a vision, we're going to not make it. We won't make it. But by the grace of God, after being rooted and grounded in the Word of God and being, and being tested, and we're going to be tested, don't think we're not. I'm probably going to be tested, uh, probably, and all, probably all of us are that do some speaking here, are going to be tested. We're going to be put to the test. But you know what? I have all the ammunition I need for resistance. It's right here. I have all the ammunition. You need nothing else but this. In the name and in the blood of Jesus Christ, get thee away from me, Satan. It's in here. You need to claim it and you need to proclaim it and do it and say it audibly. I do. Just say it like it is. Get out of here, Satan. I have the word of God. I've been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm living under grace. You have that power. But we fail to use it so many times. But just rejoice that you have that power. He's given, Jesus said, I mean, if I don't leave, you're not going to have that power. But if I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to be. Isn't it just such a challenge and such a wonderful thing this afternoon that Jesus left and he left one of the Trinity with us? The Holy Spirit. One of the Trinity is living right here amongst us. And I think so many times our people don't, don't fail to understand of what the Holy Spirit really is in our life. We don't, we don't, you know, we've, I've said this, we've, we've veered away from that because of the, uh, of, of the, the teaching of the Pentecostal group brought in, you know, and because it was so prevalent in our area one, at one time, and it's come back some. But we've veered away of teaching of what the Holy Spirit really can do and will do in our life. Because we've, we've become to the place where, well, I mean, some of it's false. And it is some of it's false. And so this morning, this morning I would just plead with you 
base it on this and move forward and the grace of God will take you right on through. Thank you. God bless you.